0: Welcome to Unite Immigrant Families. I'm Rosemary Vega, an immigration attorney with over 20 years of experience uniting and keeping families together. If you are looking for immigration information, stick around and listen to me and my fellow immigration attorneys as we discuss what's new and debunk myths. Please note, this is not legal advice and no legal advice will be given on this podcast. welcome back to Unite Immigrant Families. Today we are going to talk about domestic violence and immigration, what is normally called VAWA, Violence Against Women Act. And I have Liz Mendoza, my good friend, and you've heard her in episodes past. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Hi, how are you, Liz? I'm fine, Rosemary. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So Liz, today we're going to talk about VAWA. Um which, as I mentioned, it stands for Violence Against Women Act. Um, can you tell us about VAWA?
1: Sure. So VAWA has been around for a while. I believe it was enacted in 1993-94, and it's a very powerful law. It's helped thousands and thousands of people in the United States be, become uh, obtain legal status, not have to worry about being deported. Uh, because sadly they were victims of some form of abuse. Um, So it's uh, a really, really powerful tool in immigration law to help um, people who find themselves in those kinds of really difficult situations.
0: Yeah. And Bawa, it's not just for women, even though it's called the Violence Against Women Act, it's not just for women.
1: That is correct. It is, it is um, male, female, man, woman. It's not just for women.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, You mentioned abuse, so it has to, they have to be abused. What, you know, people think, oh, abuse, that's physical abuse, right? But that's really not all what, it's not what abuse really is. Can you tell us what is
1: abuse? Sure. So um, first, um, I think what's really, really important to remember is that the VAWA law doesn't necessarily define exactly what abuse is. So when somebody presents a Bawa case, um, what happens is that um, all of the evidence, everything that's presented in your application for relief, it's analyzed to see, does this really look like abuse? So there are definite examples of what abuse can be. Um, abuse could be physical, it can be sexual, it can be psychological, it could be a combination of those factors. Um, but I just emphasize there's like no definition in the law that says this is abuse. Rather, there are guidelines, there are examples of what abuse may be, but it definitely can take different forms. In no way is it just limited to physical abuse.
0: Right. So, it could be like mental abuse or emotional
1: abuse. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in the past, I have been able to get Bawa relief for clients who um, were victims of uh, psychological, emotional abuse. They were never physically abused, but the emotional, psychological abuse that they suffered was so severe that we were able to 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 meet, you know, to establish that the person had suffered abuse and get bowel relief. So,
0: yeah, I mean, do you have any examples of what that would be? Sure.
1: So there was one client I had who the verbal abuse and the psychological abuse that she suffered from her spouse was so constant, so severe that she started suffering from chronic depression. Um, She became suicidal. She attempted suicide more than once. Um, she finally started getting psychiatric care, she started getting therapy, she uh, started taking medication, and it was 100% caused by and related to the abuse. So in her particular case, we were able to get medical records and evaluations and explain to the immigration you know, system, um, this is the abuse, this is what happened, and this is evidence of it. So, you know, her spouse never laid a hand on her. She was never physically abused, but the emotional abuse was just so severe that on more than one occasion, she thought that the only way out for her was to try and take her own life. Thank God she wasn't successful. And, you know, she's, you know, she, she got her status in this country, but
0: yeah, that's great. And, you know, emotional abuse, mental abuse can be
1: severe, it can. I mean, for example, going back to this uh, one client that I'm telling you about, you know, some of the abuse that she suffered, um, her husband would um, call her dirty, obscene names every day in front of their children, tell her that she was worthless, tell her that she was stupid, tell her that um, he could have her deported anytime he wanted to, Threaten to take away the children, um, he would talk to her in just really, really humiliating ways in family gatherings, and it was it was daily. It was just constant.
0: Yeah, I, I, have, in my experience in working with domestic violence survivors, um, it's always and sometimes it starts that way with just telling the person they're worthless. No one's going to want you. You, you know, and then it's all this control that the abuser really wants to take over this person. Right. And then they start isolating the person from the family
1: and friends. Correct.
0: And then, so you have the isolation. You're starting, your self-esteem has gone down. Right. It's happening in front of the children. Right. And then it could also be financial where... I'm only going to give you an allowance.
1: Absolutely. You
0: don't work. You stay home and take care of the kids and you do what I say. If you don't, if I don't have a hot meal ready for me when I get home, that's it.
1: You know, that reminds me of a case um, that I took pro bono from a local nonprofit um, where a mom was arrested at a grocery store for shoplifting diapers and one way or another, I think it was the, the police basically connected her to a local women's shelter. And it was the caseworkers at the women's shelter who were able to, you know, determine this woman was suffering abuse. And one, one form of abuse was that her husband would not give her any funds to buy food for their children, diapers for their children, medicine, clothing for their children, literally nothing. And one day she wound up shoplifting some diapers because her kid didn't have any diapers. So uh, yes, sometimes abuse can be financial, like you said, 100%. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I've seen it where, okay, I'm only going to give you this allowance. And when you go to the grocery store, I want the receipt to make sure I see exactly how much you're spending. You know, it, you know, and you're responsible for your own toiletries, your own personal stuff, because that's not going to come out of this allowance that I give you, but you can't work.
1: Now, on the flip side, interestingly enough, because we're talking about examples of, you know, what abuse Mm -hmm. can be, I'll never forget one time consulting with a lady who insisted that she was suffering abuse and had heard about VAWA and wanted to apply for it. And, you know, when I started um, you know, analyzing her situation and asking her questions. Um, basically she thought that the form of abuse she was suffering was that she was not living the standard of living that she thought that she would enjoy when she got married. And so she wasn't happy that she didn't have a microwave oven. She wasn't happy that her husband hadn't built them a pool she wasn't happy that she wasn't driving the kind of car that she thought that she's she could drive so for her the abuse was i was promised a certain standard of living you promised that to me and my family and and you're not giving that to me and that's not right and i think that that's abusive and so i i want to know if i can do something about it and in my legal opinion i mean that wasn't abuse um i wouldn't think that
0: is abuse either um because you're not, that's not abuse.
1: Yeah. I I had to tell him really sorry, but in my legal opinion, I can't get you Boba because your husband didn't buy you a microwave oven. That's just not going to fly.
0: Abuse isn't, um, you know, because your husband wants you to work and you spend your own money, but yet he can't afford to have you buy a
1: Mercedes. Right. Yeah. That's not. Yeah. So we want to, so like I said, the law doesn't necessarily (laughs) have a bright line definition of what it is, but, you know, there are some things that clearly are not. Yeah.
0: So, it, can you tell us what, um, how someone is eligible for Bawa? Sure. What are the requirements?
1: So, um, so the, the immigrant has to be legally married to a U.S. citizen or a permanent resident or recently divorced less than two years uh, from their spouse. Um, The marriage has to be a legitimate good faith marriage, right? We don't want a a fraudulent marriage just to try and get VAWA benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to prove that there's been abuse, psychological abuse, physical abuse, or sexual abuse, or maybe a combination of those factors. Uh, The applicant herself or himself has to have, you know, a good record with the authorities in this country. Um, And you have to then document these requirements. Uh, in your application. Yeah. And let's talk about marriage real
0: quick. Sure. So you said it has to be a legal marriage. Right. And it has to be good faith marriage that they... Right. They um, basically are... They married for love, essentially. Right. 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 So what if the person, the, the domestic violence survivor, but truly believed that she was married mm-hmm. to this person. Right. But he might've been married and never got divorced previously. And she didn't know about
1: that. So that is something that we call being a putative spouse. And so I've gotten VAWA for putative spouses who 100% thought that they were the one and only spouse, had lived with their partner, had children with their partner, set up a home with their partner. And lo and behold, found out years later that the partner had a whole other family. Um, And so VAWA does allow for the applicant to try and establish, look, I have now discovered that I, I'm kind of like a victim of bigamy. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, and I right. think that's really important for people to understand that the domestic violence survivor needs to truly believe that they were in a good faith marriage, that they sure. were the sole spouse, even sure. if the marriage turns out to be
1: void. Sure. And that, and that's related to people who say, well, I don't have a piece of paper that says I'm married. Am I married? So then we're talking about common law and right. marriages, right? Yeah. And so in Texas, um, Texas family code, Texas state law allows for common law and marriages. So depending on, you know, what state you live in, that might be something that yeah. Can help you. But in Texas, yes. I mean, we've, I, I've definitely gotten by for people who were commonly married. Yeah. They were married. They were legally married. They didn't have a piece of paper, but we could establish according to Texas yeah. law,
0: you're married. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you mentioned earlier about uh, someone who stole some diapers. Right. So. It doesn't sound like she was charged with the theft. She might have been. But what if she was charged for the theft?
1: So in situations like that, uh, the applicant usually has to provide um, her own kind of like background check in her application, usually for like a three-year period before she applies. Right. They have to show Um,
0: good moral character. They
1: do. They do. And so in situations where you have an applicant who may have a criminal record, you're going to have to be doing a balancing act in the application to try and put some perspective to whatever criminal record may exist. Uh, is it related to the abuse? Right. Um, is it something that is just so serious that, you know, immigration law prohibits that person getting benefits? Um, but when we're dealing with situations like the example that I just gave you, you um, You know, hopefully you're going to be able to balance it enough so that as a matter of discretion, CIS or Citizenship and Immigration Services would not use that to deny the application.
0: And what I have seen normally, if you can show that it's tied to the abuse, that they consider that part of the abuse.
1: That is correct. And that's exactly what we were able to do with this one lady Mm -hmm. and explain, look, she wasn't at the store shoplifting, you know cosmetics for herself she was she stole a box of diapers and you know mm-hmm. she was able to show the authorities this is the kid I was stealing the diapers for and so yeah, yeah it was something we were able to yeah to yeah. explain
0: and then another another requirement is that they have to have live together correct and but there's no time frame on that
1: no there's not excellent point no there is not and so a lot of people ask well you know you know, attorney Mendelsa, how long do I have to live with this person? Um, there's no requirement in the VAWA that you've lived with the abuser a certain period of time. Maybe you live with the abuser a month. Maybe you live with the abuser 10 years. Yeah. That, no- that's not determinative of are you eligible for benefits? Right. It could be one day. It could be one day. And of course you still have to establish that your marriage relationship was bona fide, Mm -hmm. that it was legitimate, but somebody might have a very good explanation for why they lived with the abuser. Such a short period of time. Correct. Correct. You know,
0: it just reminds me, I, I did a vow for someone and she only lived with her abuser, physically lived with the abuser for about about a month, maybe two months. Right. But, um, he was, his work required him to travel. Okay. So that's part of the reason. But again, there's a lot, and I do mean a lot of emotional and mental abuse in that relationship. Right. Because the relationship existed mainly over the phone. Got it. You know? Right. And so there was a lot of emotional going on over the phone, which is right. very interesting. But, you know, it happens.
1: It It does. And I'll tell you, one of the most common forms of emotional abuse that I see in my VAWA cases um, is if there are children, the constant threat of the abuser taking custody of the children away from the the sufferer of abuse uh, or the abuser threatening to have the immigrant spouse be deported. It's just it's very powerful. It's a very powerful form of abuse yeah. when you hear that you're, you might lose your children and then you might be deported.
0: Yeah. I, I hear that a lot, a lot. And it's mainly, well, why haven't, why didn't he petition for you? And they've been married for three years or something. And it's usually he kept threatening that we're going to go to the lawyer and then he'd cancel and then he'd say... You have to obey me because I can get you deported. So the abuser never had an intention to help her with the immigration process. And that's the whole point of VAWA. The whole point of VAWA is you're not reliant on that abuser, that person.
1: That is correct. And so when I meet with people about VAWA, you know, one of the things I try to explain is the power of this law. It liberates the abuse victim mm-hmm. um, from the abusive relationship. Yep. Um, it's just a very powerful tool to ha- to give the person who's been um, experiencing the abuse agency, freedom, um, this extremely powerful opportunity to obtain status on their own, sadly, as a result of abuse, but they no longer need the abuser. They do not. And so I explained to them, the abuser doesn't have to sign documents for you, doesn't have to go to an interview with you, doesn't need to provide proof of employment that he or she can support you. None of that is necessary anymore if you obtain VAWA benefits. Yeah. It's a powerful law.
0: Yeah. It's basically a self petition. You are doing it on your own because of the abuse. And it's, it's trying to enable the person to be able to escape and get out of that abusive relationship.
1: That is correct.
0: Um, so I wanted to ask you, I have some other examples of, uh, Bawa is that the per the abuser controls so much that they won't put, the spouse on a bank account right they won't put them on the bills Yeah, their name isn't
1: on anything
0: yes right and so it's very difficult to prove that they live together
1: so in that situation we have to get what's called secondary evidence right so then we're depending on uh, statements that we might get from the applicant herself or himself if they have children old enough to write something that they write statements statements from Uh, people who are very close to the person who's been abused, Um, her relatives, her coworkers, her friends at church, uh, maybe a teacher, one of her kids' teachers who she's confided in, people who can write a detailed statement that is credible. Um, It's so detailed. Um, And this is something that we can uh, present uh, in the Bawa case to try and explain this is the evidence that we have. Um, and this is the reason why we don't have this other evidence, because mm-hmm. it's part of the abuse. And so many times we have to rely on this secondary evidence. Um, and it's, it's, you know, if it's something that's strong and detailed and credible, um, it, it counts, you know, for lack of a better word, it counts. It's, yeah. it's evidence.
0: It reminds me of a situation that I encountered This lady had, um, there was abuse, but there wasn't a lot of, there was, the physical abuse was starting. And that's why she was like, I'm done. But there was a lot of emotional abuse and it, it lasted, mental abuse, it probably lasted about maybe a year and a half, maybe two years. This abuse and the isolation from the family. I don't want your mom coming around the house so much we'll go see her on Sundays. And then some Sundays, oh, we can't go see your mom because we have to go over here. We've got this. So it was that separation and that isolation. And then it's, oh, we need security cameras inside the house. But it wasn't for security reasons. It's because he wanted to make sure and see what she was doing inside the house. It was, um, and she felt very uncomfortable with, being watched right all the time and then it was we need a gun for security reasons
1: oh wow yeah but really then intimidating
0: but mm-hmm. then he would sleep with the gun underneath his pillow
1: yeah that's just
0: very uncomfortable right for the spouse in that situation right and then the physical bench she didn't have any proof she wasn't on the lease she wasn't on any bills. She wasn't on the bank account. So there was no proof that she lived there. And what we ended up doing was we said, okay, let's get statements from your family and friends. Right. And we got a lot of detailed statements. Right. And we talked, and in her statement, we talked a lot about how she was uncomfortable with being watched, how she didn't believe it was for security reasons. And because she didn't have access to... cameras. Only he did. And the gun. That's really what made it all come together. And because then that's when the physical abuse started. So, you know, luckily, Bao was granted. But it was a hard uphill battle because we had to show all of this because there wasn't a lot of physical abuse. But And we also didn't have a lot of proof on the cohabitation, even though they lived together for about two, three years. Right. So that's
1: crazy. Well, one of the VAWA cases I have pending right now, um, we've documented that one of the forms of abuse that my client suffered was um, his partner constantly trying to get him to use drugs. Um, So his husband um, would... Um have friends over all the time and was always, you know having parties at the house and wanted my client to use drugs with, you know, the friends that would come over. And my client doesn't do that, didn't want to do that. was constantly being pressured to do that. It was just something that he had absolutely no desire or interest in doing. And so, you know, abuse, like we've you know been mm-hmm. saying, it can take different forms,
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about they had to been married and if they were divorced within two years. Correct. Or if the person was deported within two, it's got to be within two years, or deceased. Right. Okay. What if they've only been separated but not divorced?
1: Then they're still legally married. And so they're they're good for VAWA, right? Green light. Yeah. You can apply for VAWA if you meet all the other requirements. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So what if they are not, they're divorced and it's been over two years?
1: I'm not aware of any exceptions to that. Uh, That seems to be one of the black and white requirements under VAWA. It's it's two years. Yeah. Yeah. It's two years from the date of your decree of divorce.
0: Yeah. That is my understanding as well. I haven't seen anything else. So
1: it would be nice if there was some kind of wiggle room or exceptional circumstance, um, you know, exception to that. But you know, I have not seen it's, anything it's on two years
0: that. And so we've got got to show the abuse. You've got to show living together for at least a day because there's no real, you know. Um, and then you've got to show
1: good moral character. Yes. What else do we need to do? You show? have to show that you were married to somebody who is a citizen or a permanent resident. So, how do you prove that?
0: If they've just left and they've left with just the clothes on their back.
1: So, what we've done in the past is again go to secondary evidence, um, and at what at some point, um, the immigration agency CIS actually by regulation has to check its own systems to determine if what you know you the applicant are stating hey i'm saying that i was married i am married to john and john is a us citizen and i just don't have proof of that because i'm no longer in the home and i don't have access to the documents where john took all his documents when he left but i know that he's a us citizen i saw his certificate I saw his American passport I saw his social security card I saw his driver's license I saw his you know whatever legal document it is um, so we write that up in the most detailed statement that we can mm-hmm. and then we tell CIS it's basically now your burden to check your systems and determine that what we're saying is is the truth and so we've had to do that in a couple of cases and we were successful because it was it was it was a fact that the person was a U.S. citizen.
0: Yeah, and I've, I've done that as well because it happens a lot more than one thinks because when they're when the views get so bad and they call the police and they end up in a shelter just the clothes on their back right. or they set up a plan to leave and then they're like, oh, I need a... I need to leave like now. I don't have time to go look for this other stuff that I need. I just I just got to leave.
1: What has been a really, really big help is if the person got an ITIN taxpayer ID number from the IRS and ever filed an income tax return with their spouse, you're going to be able to get a copy of that from the IRS and you're going to then see the Social Security number written on the tax return which you can then submit to to immigration. Uh, And so that's some rock solid evidence of the status that you're saying that your abuser spouse has. But yeah, when you don't have a copy, you know, if you don't have a convenient copy of your spouse's American birth certificate or passport, then you have to rely on secondary evidence. And you have to, you know, be able to establish and document in your packet that you're doing the utmost that you can to explain to CIS, this person does have status, and this is my explanation for why I don't have the paper. To show that.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Right. so once, when someone gets, applies for VAWA, then what happens? If they get approved, what happens?
1: So if they get approved, they are granted something called deferred action. So that's a form of temporary protection where CIS tells a person, you're not a priority for us to try and deport. Um, they uh, are immediately eligible to apply for a work permit. Um, And depending on the legal status of the abuser, uh, the person, um, the the VAWA applicant may be immediately eligible to apply for permanent residency Um, or not. Uh, They might be in a situation where all they can get is VAWA protection, deferred action, and it's something that they can renew indefinitely. As long as uh, their Bawa uh, status is never revoked from CIS, it's something that they could, you know, theoretically renew the rest of their lives. Yeah. But for most people, the point of getting Bawa is you want to take that second step, you want to advance with your case, and you want to apply for permanent residency.
0: Right. And so, real quick, before we get to permanent residency, is there a way to get is are they able to get a work permit while the Bawa is pending?
1: No, they cannot. Very unfortunately, they cannot.
0: It has to be approved.
1: It has to be approved. That is correct.
0: Yeah. So now let's say they're married to a U.S. citizen.
1: They can adjust their status in the United States. That's correct. I mean, there are other requirements to adjust status, but if they... VAWA uh, makes it much easier to be able to apply for your residency in the United States.
0: What if they entered illegally? Can they still apply for adjustment status in the United States? Yes,
1: they can. VAWA is kind of like a magic wand uh, regarding that particular requirement. Yes, they can.
0: Yeah. And I think that's one thing that's super, super important for
1: our listeners to know, right? It's very important. I mean, if you're applying for permanent residency based on an approved VAWA application, petition. Um, You can apply for residency even if you entered illegally. Uh, You do not need an affidavit of support. You do not have to pay a penalty fee, which some people in certain categories have to pay. Um, It's an extremely powerful law. And you also have the added benefit of um, there are certain immigration violations that VAWA will allow you to get forgiveness for and that doesn't exist in other immigration cases.
0: Right. Right. So that's super important. So I would definitely recommend anybody who may be a victim of domestic violence that if they're listening and they should go consult with an immigration attorney about to see if they qualify and to see if they're going to qualify for adjustment status as well.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would counsel anybody who uh, sadly finds themselves in that situation. Um, first, get, get therapy, get some counseling, get to a shelter if you have to, call the police, try to get protection, um, and then, you know, focus on your immigration status, talk to somebody competent, uh, who can guide you, who can orient you, explain to you the law, the requirements, the time timeframe, um, really, really, really important.
0: Yeah. And what about if they're not married to U.S. citizens? They're married to legal permanent residents and they don't know whether the spouse ever became actualized citizen.
1: So they're eligible for VAWA if they're married to a permanent resident. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, um, you know, CIS will check its systems to find out if the person is married to a U.S. citizen or a permanent resident. And actually if the case is approved and CIS, uh issues the approval notice for the case, the approval notice will have a designation. You know, are you married? You know, Mm -hmm. is is it VAWA because you're the abused spouse of a U.S. citizen or a permanent resident? And that's really important because it might determine when can you take that second step and apply for permanent residency.
0: Right. Because if you're an LPR, you might have to wait until the visa becomes available. That is correct. But all the other grounds of inadmissibility that we talked about with you know if you're married to a US citizen they still count so if you entered without without permission and you're married to a legal permanent resident you can still adjust your status in the United States That is
1: correct that Which is correct
0: most people in that situation aren't able to do
1: That is correct
0: So that I think that's very important to to point out as well
1: That is correct
0: So what if what if the individual the domestic violence Victim, I, I call them survivors, um, if they end up in removal proceedings.
1: So, in removal proceedings, they can uh, pursue at a minimum two pass. They can apply for something called VAWA cancellation of removal, mm-hmm. uh, or they may be able to apply for adjustment of status in court based on that approved VAWA petition. So uh, VAWA cancellation of removal has a much lower burden to meet. It has softer requirements to comply with than non-VAWA cancellation of removal, which has a much higher burden that people have to meet.
0: VAWA cancellation of removal, I think, can be beneficial to a lot of people. Because you also don't have that two-year requirement
1: of being divorced. It is correct. And instead of having to show that you've uh, resided in the United States 10 years, you only have to show three. Instead of having to show that you have a U.S. citizen or permanent resident parent, spouse, or child who would suffer extremely unusual and exceptional mm-hmm. hardship, you can simply show extreme hardship to yourself.
0: Yeah, that's a much lower burden. Yes. To yourself and if you're divorced for more than two years it doesn't matter you really but you do have to prove up that abuse
1: that is correct
0: yeah so it's it can be something helpful to a lot of people absolutely yeah yeah so Liz, uh we've run out of time but thank you so much uh really appreciate you being here thank and you and if anybody has any questions For me or Liz, you can always reach out at UniteImmigrantFamilies at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Unite Immigrant Families. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want more information about me or my guest, please email me at UniteImmigrantFamilies at gmail.com. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. I hope you join us on this bi-weekly podcast. No legal advice was provided and none will ever be provided on this podcast.